Hi, my name's John Kasher and welcome to Cash Talk, where there'll be no boundaries and a lot of straight talk. All things money, business, and just everyday stuff. Hey guys, before we get started, just a quick reminder that all the information in this podcast is of a general nature and not tailored to your personal circumstances. So please seek personal financial advice before acting on this information. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cash Talk. And today I'm joined for, by some very special guests um, from an organization called Seedling. Um, so I have Jess and Kylie here today. Jess, Kylie, how are you? Very well, thank you. Thanks how for you? having us. Yeah, it's, uh, it's actually, uh, this is uh, really, really good that I've been able to obviously get you both on the podcast. Uh, for episodes before, we've been talking about a lot of different things in regards to growing wealth and business and people's stories and whatnot. But something that's very, very close to my heart is giving back, um, especially to people that are less fortunate than us. And so I, I, tend that, I tend to find that a lot of people are like-minded like myself. And you know, once we build wealth to a point where we're looking after ourselves and our financial futures are taken care of, it's a, it's a matter about the legacy we leave and, and being able to once again, help people that are less fortunate than us. So maybe I'll just start with you, Jess. Jess, can you just give us a little bit of an understanding about Seedling, what Seedling does and, you know, how it's kind of come about? Yeah, yeah. Um, so Seedling is all about doing good better. So really helping people find organisations that closely align with the kind of impact that they want to make um, and making sure that they can connect with those organisations so they know know the impact that they're making. Um, it came about, it was um, Kylie's initiative, um, but she came across me uh, from my work with the Good Cause Co. So back in 2000 and late 2015, I started an organisation called the Good Cause Co. And what I did was systematically review Australia's largest charities, according to their financial records, uh, their governance and their social impact record to really identify the strongest charities in Australia. Um, so I had a web platform and I gathered a bunch of really great philanthropic clients where I helped them give away millions of dollars. Um, so I did that for a while, uh, but then the idea um, was evolved into this beautiful concept uh, called Seedling, which um, I think Kylie's best place to talk more about um, the ethos of Seedling and where we are heading with this concept. Yeah, that's 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 absolutely great to hear. And obviously, you know, Jess, your passion uh, for a long, long time in this space is definitely something to uh, be looked looked uh, looked upon as an absolute great thing, not just for this organisation, but for the greater community as well. But obviously, Kylie, you've been you know big on this, exactly as obviously Jess has has, has mentioned. Um, you know, maybe your further comments on, on seedling and the impact that it's trying to make. Yeah, well, I guess my experience stems from the 12 years that I spent in the not-for-profit and corporate social responsibility space and working with a whole bunch of different charities. And I identified a really big problem, and that's there are 57,000 charities out there to choose from, and people just don't know who to trust, which ones are high-performing, or even where my money is actually going. And so I've seen the problems that exist within the sector and Seedling is really there to try and help address these issues 
and really help making giving easier and a little bit safer as well by being able to apply this set of due diligence and criteria that each of the charities need to meet and really helping people to take it down from 57,000 charities out there to three that really align with their passions and their values and their life experiences. Yeah, and, and that's that's amazing because I can even take it from like my personal perspective and the charities that I've kind of given over time. I, you know, a little bit to this charity, a little bit to this charity. Like you want to give back, but then you don't know which one kind of aligns to you. And then you've got so many different things you want to kind of do. And it it is a bit of a minefield. So for you to have a matchmaking service, yeah, uh, for, for, for this is, is absolutely great and 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 you know I, i'm loving you know learning more about you guys and 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 what we can kind of um, do not only for myself and my personal kind of um stuff but obviously for you know the listeners and viewers and and all of our clients as well who i'm sure shares um some really great things now you know when it comes to like that charity matchings kind of things like how do we go about you know learning about which one is actually right for us because you know i've got a really warming to like helping the kids but also i want to help the people that are like in poverty Uh, i've got a huge passion about helping people gain financial literacy that they might not be able to get access to like when you've got two or three different kind of really strong points how do you find that match um so i think the big thing is to to know what's out there. So often we'll find that people have a bunch of different passion areas. So we'll go out and find the strongest organisations in each of those passion areas. But then they'll be able to determine which of those organisations is actually um, doing the kind of work that they want. So it's just more of a, a direct connection with what is happening on the ground, whether or not that actually aligns with what you think is important as well as that overlay of that broad passion area. So it could be that you're interested, and this is an example from a client that we had, she was interested in prenatal health. Mm -hmm. So undertaking research to actually um, improve the outcomes of women during pregnancy, because she had a personal experience with that. Um, And so, but she was also interested, like you said, in in, um, children suffering from poverty in, in overseas. So we could present to her the organisations that are working in that in in the health um, prenatal health space, and then we can present that side by side with an organisation that's helping kids in poverty overseas. And once you see them side by side, it's much easier to um, get a really strong sense of where your values lie and what you think is actually genuinely important. And on top of that, um, you can see the quality of the organisations that are working in in those spaces. So it could be that you're really passionate about a certain area, but the organisations themselves aren't quite up to scratch. So you'll direct your money towards the organisations that have the leaders, that have the capability to make real, really good and genuine, um, a genuine difference. Yeah, and that's amazing. And to show the depth that you know you go to 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 help people make these decisions is is really cool. Um, because in relation to say like a very common topic that we speak about, which is investing, uh, we you know we for clients talk about their preferences when it comes to investing and and the companies that sit behind that. You know, and I don't know, we just put one out there. If a company was making thirty percent returns for you, but was you know engaging in human trafficking, like. 
that just does not align to most people's, you know, preferences. So, yeah. you know, and obviously I'm taking it at an extreme level, but, you know, that's what we need to be doing when we're talking about giving back and, 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 and you know, donating, if that be via your time, via money or whatever yeah. that's going to be. I think that there's a now there needs to be a look through and, and it's great to see, you know, you ladies, you know, engaging in this. And I'm sure there's a lot of charities who do absolutely amazing things, but the key takeaway for me is that alignment to your values and not just throwing money at something. Are we finding mm. that are we finding that people are now in 2022 going more in depth with what they want? Like is it is it one of those ones where they're coming to you and saying, hey, listen, I just want, you know, to throw five thousand dollars at and, you know, throw it in on a wheel and spin it or are they kind of going nah I want to get really involved in this Um, I think people are overwhelmed 2022 people are overwhelmed like there is just so much crisis that's being that we're being bombarded with that people are now at that point of um, information overload and um decision what's it what's the term where you um where you can't make a decision because you've got so many options analysis, in front of you? Para- an- analysis yeah, that's paralysis one. yeah analysis paralysis um that's where people are at and i think it's a real um it's a real contrast to where they want to be so they do want to be genuinely involved with these organizations but they just don't know where to start and like you said before they don't know which cause they should be actually directing their money towards what they should be thinking about because the moment they're thinking about one crisis another crisis is on the doorstep that's mm-hmm. that's demanding their attention and telling them that they need to be um that they need to be thinking about this as well and so for a lot of people particularly those that are interested in goodwill doing good social um benefit that kind of space um, it is just so overwhelming. So that's where I think we're at. Are you um, finding that? Are you finding that this is also not just at an individual level? This is at corporation level as well. Like obviously, you know, me as a business owner, it's it's the it's the like what we want to do as a corporation that's good um, for, for 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 the community. Um, obviously, I've got my personal values, but are you having more? both or are you having both or or what's the scenario in regards to who's coming to you know engage in this so we've got a good mix of both individuals and corporates um i used to actually work in a corporate social responsibility role for priceline and i i headed up the team there and and looked at how priceline could give away money to charities and the kind of impact that they wanted to be able to have and that was a really interesting experience working there for a couple of years and setting up the Priceline Sisterhood Foundation. And with corporates as well, why this area, particularly around the charity reviews and due diligence is really important because there's another layer of risk associated. If an individual is partnering with a charity, for example, and the charity ends up um, being corrupt or not putting their money where they say that they are, there's not a lot of personal brand risk that's associated with that, as opposed to, for example, an individual, a business putting their brand alongside a charity and saying, hey, I'm giving away a portion of my proceeds to insert charity A here. Yeah. And that charity ends up in the media as found to the, the board being corrupt, the leaders being corrupt. Um, that is a serious amount of potential brand risk that can be associated when someone's just out there trying to do good. So 
we are seeing a lot more businesses now who are wanting to get involved in giving and charity and CSR, but they are also struggling with knowing the first step to being able to take in how they can find charities that really align with their business and the business's values and interests as well. So that is another area what what can end up happening is either people are maybe giving to the wrong charities or those that maybe aren't as high performing or another really missed opportunity is they just decide not to give at all. And, mm. and that's a really big missed opportunity for a business to really align themselves in the social space and also help to attract really great new talent that are really coming into the market as well. And they're wanting to see that the business that they work for, that they work for is giving back to the community. And that's a really important thing, especially that we're seeing from young millennials. Yeah, it's, 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 um, once again, it's just so important to have that in-depth knowledge and be able to go deep. And, I, you know, I constantly go back to like the investment preferences discussion. This is the exact same way that we take this is the same way as we're investing in the community and we're investing in, 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 in things that we feel, you know, aligned to. There was two things that I wanted to ask you, though, uh, Kylie, is one around you said about like high performing charity or high impact charity. Can you just flesh that out firstly for me, just what that kind of means? Yeah, this is this is really where Jess's expertise in data analysis and charity matching comes from and, and her years and experience working in government. So maybe Jess, you can talk us through a little bit more about the steps that you take in order to identify high performing charities. Yeah, yeah. So I've spent um, many, many, many years investigating charities in a high level of detail just to understand what the benchmark was. I think before I started um, reviewing charities, I had um, unrealistic expectations for what they should, where they should be at. And over years and years of evaluating charities, I've got a really strong sense for what the strong performers look like. Um, what the vast majority look like, and then what the weak performers look like. So there are a number of things that I look at. So first is their their financial integrity. So I review their fi financial records to make sure um, it could be something as simple as is there an auditor's opinion on this? Yeah. Um, and, you know, some charities don't have an auditor's opinion on their financial records. So that's a really, really basic thing. Um, but then I'll look in more depth to see whether or not an organisation is likely to foreclose in the future. So there have been a few pretty high profile cases of, of charities having to shut their doors. Um, and um, or, you know, either shut their doors or significantly change their operations. Oxfam's a really good example of this a few years ago. Um, you could look at their financial records and see that they weren't in a good place. Within the, the following 12 months, they had to um, let go 50% of their staff and have a significant change in their strategic direction. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of thing that I look at in the financial records is, you know, is this looking pretty stable? Can we expect that they'll um, be able to operate the same way that they have in the past in the future? Um, are they putting money towards the programs that they say they're putting their money towards in their advertising. So sometimes a charity will say they're doing like X, Y, Z, five different things. But then if you look at their financial records, they're only actually really focusing on one of those programs. The rest are really just dribs and drabs that are good for marketing. Um, so, so, so Jess, when you talk about like the, obviously the allocation of money and stuff like that from these charities, one of the things I constantly hear is like, it doesn't get all to that kid. 
Yeah, it's like, you know, those big organisations where it's like they're taking 80% away from it. There must be more than that. Obviously, charities have a lot of operational costs. They've got to, got to kind of get to the – if we're talking about, say, for remote areas and stuff like that, it's, it's sometimes hard to get a hold of. So sometimes it's not just how much goes to the kid or to that the end uh, person. There would be a few other factors that you'd be looking at, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's kind of pretty typical benchmarks uh, for what's good practice, what's not. We've, you know, I've come across organisations that haven't spent any money on administration, overheads, fundraising, and the consequence of that is that no money has gone out the door because they don't have the resources to be able to spend it or identify the problems that they, that need to be solved. So you need to spend money to spend money and make sure it goes to the right place. Um, having said that, you know, you need to have limits and boundaries on that. So we've got about 10%, well, about 10% um, spent on fundraising. It's pretty normal. Um, 10% on administration. So that's your executive team, your officers, um, support staff. That's pretty normal. And then about 5% saved for a rainy day is pretty normal. Once you, so, so then you're looking at 75% of the budget going to program delivery. Um, and so again, that's pretty normal. Once you get to less than 50% on program delivery, that's when we start to ask some questions. So those numbers will fluctuate a bit, but it's really important to recognize that, um, these are organizations that, um, that need to employ good people, good people cost money. Um, but then the outcomes are going to be so much better if you engage those really good, good quality people. Yeah. And just to and add to that, that's just one side of the equation. So the inputs, what we then look at is the outcomes. So if you're just looking at how much money is going in, then you're really, um, it's not a complete analysis. What you need to look at is what is actually being delivered by those people. So you could spend heaps of money and have great outcomes, heaps of money, let poor outcomes. You need to look at those two side by side. Mm -hmm. and, and is there is there benchmarking for example of the actual impactful change so, so anyone can have a passion so like i don't know financial literacy for example is there benchmarks for example on actually the improvements and is that something that because you can you can also throw a hell of a lot of money at something but that's something that doesn't stick yeah. either yeah? Yeah. yeah um yeah. Yeah. so i would imagine that's another aspect that you you you, you would look at yes yes and this is where it gets a lot more complicated because um it's very hard to do a like-for-like like comparison between two different programs that have two different objectives. And no charity will, like, unless you're doing like revegetation, where it's mm -hmm. kind of easy to get a sense for how much it costs to put a tree in the ground, um, it's hard might to might be how, how long? It might be how long they are or how good the trees are and how long that, you know, the sustainability. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, probably I mean, not a, but like you can everything. kind of get a sense. Yeah, so I've got like there was one um, client that we served in one charity cost $2.50 to put a tree in the ground, one cost $5. But um, you can see the difference in quality behind those two different price points. So the one that was $5, they, they had a lot more rigour um, and due diligence around the method that they were applying to put the tree in the ground they had longer term contracts with the landholders they had all this other stuff in place to make sure that that tree survives so you can do that for the vast majority of um of charities they're not doing like for like stuff so you can't do this one for one type analysis um 
But we do know that the vast majority of charities don't have very strong systems in place to monitor their performance. So that those organisations that are monitoring their performance are the ones that sit in that top tier category. Yeah, because they're, um, they're, they're, they're measuring. They're measuring. They're, they're looking yeah. at, at certain things and they're looking at the impacts. And it, exactly. sounds very, it sounds very similar to what we do actually in our investing stuff and, and what we see. Yeah, I have for a our financial background. Yeah, there you go. So very, very much so. Now, um, let's go right back to the start now. And, and what I'm talking about, and that's gr- amazing how, how kind of deep you guys go into that. But the first one I get is, I don't know if I'm ready to start giving back. Yeah, I want to, but I don't know if, it's re- if I'm ready. And obviously, I'm helping people to make those decisions because I'm understanding and our team is understanding Obviously, if they're financially able to, yeah. But I think the other one is that that comes into mind is I don't have enough to make a real impact, yeah. What would you have to say to someone in that kind of frame of mind? Um, I would say starting small and starting early is the best way to begin. Um, Some of your listeners might be familiar with Scott Pate, the Barefoot Investor. He's um, he developed a, a really interesting schools program, and 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 part of that was involved in a saving program. And he has three different types of jars: a, a save jar, a spend jar, and a give jar. And what I love so much about this concept is that he's actually starting this idea of thinking about giving as soon as you start making money, and. I think giving is very much something that becomes ingrained in people's values and it's something that generally people will will start really small and have good experiences and give more as trust builds and they, they're able to really feel the, the purpose and meaning that so much giving brings to people's lives. So for me, I would say starting really young um, Talking from my own personal experience, I I started um, when I was uh, a regular giving through World Vision when I was 19. And that sort of started me on this journey to understanding more about the not-for-profit sector um, and then how that's kind of led into different volunteer roles and internship opportunities and really for me to have this opportunity to learn more about the problems that exist. And I think giving really allows you to have that entry step and to sort of test the waters on on learning more about the problems that exist in our society. So I would say um, encouraging kids to think about when they've got a little bit of pocket money or when they're earning to think about maybe how they might be able to support a local charity and give some of that money away. And then as people grow and, and start to earn more money, there's there's great resources like Seedling to be able to help you in, in how you can give that money away most effectively as well. And then when people um, maybe retire or think about leaving money in their will, that they've kind of had this as part of their whole life. It's part of their DNA. It's part of who they are. And, and, and that's when we see people being able to give the most as well and have the most impact. Well, I think this is a, this is a, a crucial thing that you just touched on um, as well too, is around giving while you're living and giving when you're not here as well too. And 
we obviously see a lot of stories in the headlines where, you know, there's this major donation done from someone passing away. And I think this also comes with what I call moving up the stages of financial well-being. Like if you're in challenge mode and you can't put food on the table, it's going to be very hard for you to obviously, um, you know, give some of that money away. You've got to take care of yourself and make sure you've got food on the table. Uh, maybe people will be donating to you. Um, but as you kind of move your way up the stages of financial well-being, you get yourself into comfort, you know, and then you get yourself into growing and then financially free. I think that as they're moving through, they're becoming more aware of it. And especially the ones that end up getting to the point where they're financially free and the, the terminology we use financial freedom or, or the, the definition is when they own their home outright and they've got passive income beyond their lifestyle requirements. So beyond that point, it's all, it's all cream. Yeah, let's be honest. They're living their life. They're doing what they need to do. And it's around them what you want to leave your legacy. So when it comes to estate planning, which is the creation of the story that you want to be told when you're no longer here, that actually doesn't happen when you die. That happens when you are alive. Yeah. So when you're doing your estate planning, it's crucial for you to be speaking with both your financial advisor and your legal team to creating what that story of that impact while you're, while you're not here. Yeah. And then obviously working um, either by yourself or with your financial advisor on how much that I want to give away for that purpose for it to be done. So ultimately, you can see this impact while you're living. How great would it be that you actually see the impact that you have? And, and Kylie, I had a similar story with my two boys. I um, when, we, when they were born, and I was donating kind of before that, but I, I said um, to my wife, I really want them to understand that there are less, pe there's people that are less fortunate than us, yeah, and we need to help support them, okay, um, in times of need. And we did. We started with World Vision, okay, and we started to sponsor a child, yeah, and we had the child, and I think they do it really, really well. You know, I had the child on the fridge, yeah, and he could see him grow and the messages that happen. And the child, we've we've pulled two out of their their areas into like better areas now, um, and we've got the kid, you know, the kids on the fridge, okay, and they see them every day. Okay, um, so these are things that I think you're right, need to start really early. They need to be built up over time. And, and you know, you can start with charities like World Vision, and I think it might be, you know, a couple of hundred bucks. But then once you're getting up those stages of financial well-being, those zeros become bigger because you've got more ability to do so. And I think that impact, um, you know, if you're writing a check for $100,000, yeah, you want to be making sure that you're getting – in our terminology, a return on investment, yeah, but it's more of a return of impact, yeah. Um, that's really what we want to kind of get back when we're, when we're at those levels. Um, so, that, so the person that's thinking that really start, start small, build up. I might go to you, Jess, and then over to you, Kylie, for some final comments. Maybe just two or three tips for the listeners and viewers about giving back and choosing the charity that's aligned to their values. So Jess, I'll start with you. That's a really hard question <laughs> because <laughs> I think we find that most people don't actually sit back and think about what's important to them. Um, it really takes an effort of um, like reflection, you know, you need to think about your whole life and um, it's only every now and uh, every now and again that, most ordinary people have the opportunity to think about what's important to them. Um, but I would all, always say don't even bother thinking about opening up your wallet until you know what's important to you. Mm -hmm. um, and then 
once you do know what's important to you, whether it's environment, you might have might have had great experiences as a child running around national parks, and that for you is something that has um, you know ignited your soul. So you have a, a great um, you have a great affinity for the environment. So that might be something that you want to give to, or it might be children, like you said before. Um, you have a, a soft spot in your, cell, in your soul for children. So it's really about finding out in your soul when you see images or pictures or things on the news what, you know, what brings you to tears basically and that's the kind of cause that you should be um, directing your attention to and just shut off the rest of the noise. Just focus on one thing. That's totally fine. Um, there will be other that's people that are interested in everything else. So don't worry about it and then, and then you can start investigating. I was going to say, just sorry to interrupt. I was just going to say, you actually you hit something which is so true. I actually can't watch any movies where children are getting hurt. They're unfortunate <laughs> in any circumstance. I literally am like, I'll just just not watch this scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, you're right. And and it, that's obviously close to me, and I'm sure that's close to many parents out there. Um, but oh, people in general. But I think that that's that's a, some awesome awesome tips that you've given. And the second thing I think is also just so then once you know what the cause is, then think about the kinds of organizations that you're attracted to and the, your risk profile. I mean, this is something that you do every day um, because you sure this isn't a financial company. You saw this <laughs> investment preferences, risk profiling. Yeah, exactly, oh, my exactly. goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you've got organizations that have just started a few years ago, super high risk. Um, but, you know, there's no guarantee that what they're going to do is good. Um, there's no guarantee they're going to survive in the next five years, but they're really exciting and they've often got these awesome founders um, that are sitting behind them. Then you've got much more established organisations that have existed for 30-plus years, very stable, high degree of predictability over their outcomes. Um, you know where your money is going to go. So it's you've got this spectrum of organisations. Um, so think about, you know, what is what excites you more where do you feel greater comfort in your donation um, and then once you've once you figure that out then it's kind of easier to figure out which pathway you should take to find the specific organizations that fill those niches yeah that is some awesome tips some awesome tips and um so for anyone that's obviously thinking about it you know do be listening on this i I'm going to also take away from our for what we do with clients and actually start to build some of these questions into our journey with them, okay? Um, because we're building these plans where you know clients are creating millions and millions of dollars. They're becoming financially free. But I say to people, we don't want to create rich leprechauns that are sitting on a pile of gold just laughing with all of their money and being miserable, <laughs> yeah? Um, so what we want to be doing is creating people who live life on their terms and have great purpose. So we're going to start working with obviously um, a seedling on, on helping to build that so that we grow, we have more of an impact um, through the financial plans for the outcomes that our clients want. So I'm really excited. But Kylie, um, some couple of tips from yourself. Yes, um, I guess the one tip that I would share that's sort of an extension to, to Jess's great advice is that I have often seen, I'm sure some of your clients have experienced as well, times in your life where you feel these sparks of generosity. You feel like there's a story that you hear or there's something that you see on the news or there's, there's, there's something that 
that happens in your own life or with your own family. I would say follow those times when you feel really called to do something about it and, and, and try not to overthink it too much. You know, look into what some of our great resources that we have available through Seedling to really help empower people and really follow that time when you, when you feel that spark of generosity to give back and, and really make a, a great mark on the world and, and make a great impact as well. Awesome. Awesome, ladies. Awesome. So one other question I have, and Kylie, if people want to learn more about Seedling, where do, where do they go to find more about Seedling? And one of the big ones is, is that you do an absolute amazing job by matchmaking, really and analysing the right charities and stuff like that. People are thinking like, is this going to cost me thousands and thousands of dollars to engage in something like this? So where do we find you? And is there actually a cost to, to engage in something like this that's so impactful? Um, well, the good news is Seedling is a service that you can use free of charge. Um, and so our real purpose is to try and grow philanthropic giving in Australia. So people just like you who want to give but don't know where to start have a really great resource to really give them that first step. Um, and for people who are just interested in learning more, we have a really interesting ebook called Do Good Better. Um, the 12 things that you should know before giving to any charity. So it's a really great resource that you can use and walk through in a really systematic way in terms of how to identify the right charity to be able to give to. Um, so people can check that out. It's on our website, theseedling.com.au. And if you're interested in giving personally or through your business or you'd just like some advice, feel free to just give us an email. We're always happy to have a chat and see if there's any way that we can help support you and add value to the area that you're wanting to be able to make an impact in. It's, it's absolutely amazing what you you ladies have brought together and I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be a part of this journey. And uh, for anyone that's interested in giving back or wanting to know more, you know, jump out, have a look at have a look at what they're doing. It's amazing stuff. And ladies, thank you very much for jo joining me on, on a Cash Talk podcast today. And it really warms my heart that we can start to make more of an impact for the people that are less fortunate than us. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you, ladies. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cash Talk. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you want to learn more about me, jump onto my Instagram at, at thejohncasher.com and you'll find me there or at my website at www.johncasher.com.au. Thanks for listening. Cheers.